For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to episode 215 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my longtime co-host now at ESPN. He is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on the Twitter and also just named Eric Robinson. Eric, how are we doing tonight? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Can't complain. Can't complain. We got There's a little, little winning going on within the Falcons little? organization little bit of winning. I've noticed, you know, it's easier to get everyone on the show when we got some dubs to talk about. <laughs> you know, it's not like pulling teeth so much anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been nice to see this team really fight uh, in every game this year. They've been far better than I expected. Uh, and they, I think they've hit some of the things that we talked about in the offseason that were going to be necessary for them to become a better team and, like, become competitive. Like, you were on in the offseason and we talked about it. Like, we need the defense to be closer to 20th instead of, like, 30th. Uh, that's one step for them being competitive. And then the other thing is they have to figure out how to run the ball. And they've done both of those things. They are 19th in scoring defense, and they are number three in the NFL running the football, and they are sitting at 3-3 three and three despite playing what looked like a very, very difficult opening schedule. Uh, not all of those teams have ended up being as dangerous as they maybe appeared going into the preseason but the falcons Mm -hmm. have been in every single game probably should have won the saints game should have had a chance to win the bucks game we know what happened with that one but um yeah i mean a win of a win against the 49ers here a big upset victory obviously the 49ers injured going into this game but they were still the number one defense in the league uh you know they had been missing several guys for multiple weeks like Armstead and Kinlaw. So it's not like they were the number one defense and they lost all those guys going into this game. No, the the big loss obviously was Nick Bosa, but the Falcons really made the the 49ers defense look kind of silly out there uh, with just some really creative stuff. So how are you feeling about that win? My, my thing is, okay, yes, they, they were missing a ton of starters on defense. Yeah, that absolutely should be highlighted for sure. But they still had their horses on offense. They still had Kittle. They still had IU. They still had Debo. And yet they were scoreless for two and a half quarters. So what's the excuse there? I mean, they still were only able to muster up 14 points. Yeah. I, I'm i not. Actually, they went scoreless longer than that. They went scoreless for three quarters, right? They scored both of yeah, those. Yeah, they didn't score in the first. Mm-hmm. It was both so, in the yeah. second, I believe. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I mean, it's you. You still had. Granted, there was no Trent Williams, but not having Trent Williams didn't really, I don't think, cost them any points because the t- I think the the Falcons only had what one sack. So it wasn't as if you know the offensive line was decimated and Garoppolo wasn't able to do anything. They were able to do um, that. All three of those guys had great games. To be honest with you, you had two touchdown catches. I think Debo had seven catches. Um, it took him a little while to get going, but I, that's the, I, I think it's it's a win you take. You never apologize for a win in the NFL. They're so hard to come by, um, and you keep moving. Yeah, they missed starters, but they had an opportunity to win it. That that defense that was decimated by injuries relatively kept them in the game. Did it not? It did. It wasn't it wasn't a blowout? So. No. No, I mean, the Falcons really, they took advantage of that defense, um, mainly the run defense. I mean, they, they the Falcons didn't have the most efficient day on the ground. I think they were only at 4.3 yards per carry, which is well below average for them, actually. Uh, the Falcons were averaging like 5.1 yards per carry going into this game, but... Um, Things are changing, man. Yeah, we're, it is. It's nuts that four point three is like, oh yeah, that's a very bad day for the Falcons right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but 168 yards on what was the number one run defense. Uh, for context, they were allowing just three yards per carry going into this game um, over the first five games of the season. So really, I think it's it's really a sign that this Falcons team is going to be able to run the ball against pretty much everyone. Um, you know, obviously you'll have good games and, and off games and that sort of thing. But they also did this, you know, the 49ers are down. Nick Bosa, the Falcons are down Corderell Patterson, who was their number one offensive weapon for the first few games that he was in the offense. So this run game, even without Patterson, has been quite dangerous. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Preparation and offensive line play. Um, you know, uh, uh, with also sprinkled in just the mentality that they carry with them and with, you know, in every game, it, it seems like mentally they approach every game as if we're going to run the football, you know, we're going to run the football, but you're not going to stop us. And I, I think that is, that is a different mindset that the team has not had in quite some time. And it's in, I'm enjoying watching it, to be honest with you. I mean, I, they literally every game they've been in and i and i've i've tried to point this out to individuals they've been games they've been in games where they had a large lead they were down three scores where it was back and forth in the second half so they've seen a little bit of everything throughout a you know throughout a game circumstance and yet they still stuck with their bread and butter which is running the football and so far so good defenses have Defenses know it's coming, but defenses have had trouble really stopping it, especially when they – the one thing I, I appreciate about them is the fact that they know that they're a run-first team. They're going to run the football first, but they they look at, you know, being down three scores and they're saying, we're not going to change our philosophy. We're going to stick with it, and it's going to get us back into the game. Sometimes, yeah. you, sometimes you die by that. Sometimes you, you actually scratch and claw your way back into games. Yeah, I mean, you look at what happened to the 49ers in this game, and that really the the crux of this game and what they did against the Browns, too, is that they they just beat their opponent at their own game. Like, the Browns, of course, want to do that same exact thing where they pound the rock and, and play defense. The Falcons d- did it better than them in that game uh, against 
the 49ers last week, that's the 49ers bread and butter. They want to play great defense and they want to use their, you know, top 10 rushing game to, to wear you down. And the Falcons did that way better than the 49ers did. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, they're not they're not even using they're not even using like big name frees and running backs or first round picks like people are, are are pointing out the fact that they're going up against you know certain defenses that have injuries but they're they're still running the ball with a fifth round rookie and an undrafted free agent what does that say yeah it's i mean it, i think like you said i think it speaks to the run blocking right that that has turned around so drastically in just right. one offseason with most of the same personnel. I mean, obviously, Drew Dahlman wasn't the starter last year, but he was here. He was an option right. uh, to start. And then left guard is the big change where Elijah Wilkinson has come in and really stabilized that spot. I wouldn't say he's been this, you know, Pro Bowl impact player, but going from Jalen Mayfield, who was just an active liability, to Elijah mm-hmm. Wilkinson and Colby Gossetti, even for a game, those guys just have been night and day better providing sort of league average starter play. And I mean, if, if people forget like the Falcons Super Bowl team had a, a blueprint similar to this, where they had a really good left tackle, a good right tackle, uh, good. I think they had good left guard play actually. And then just sort of a league average right guard and Chris Chester with, with and that team obviously had a great center in Alex Mack, but um, you know, not necessarily premium players at every spot, but players that were good at what they needed to do. And, for this team, being good at run blocking seems to be the most important thing when you're only throwing the ball 14 times in a game against the 49ers. So, uh, yeah, very yeah. interesting so stuff. Yeah. I, it's I I do I appreciate you know Arthur Smith, and I think this is something that they're starting to to you know develop as the season goes on. I appreciate the fact that he understands when it comes to Marcus Mariota less you ask of him the better you know um this past week he only had 14 pass attempts i felt going into that niners game i felt like he needs to be 20 or under in terms of passing attempts uh i can't recall exactly how many he had against the bucks but i'm pretty sure it wasn't that great of a number either um and and that's he that's what he sees and that's what he's going with and i'm fine with that if if you, I feel like the the offense has a better chance of operating if Mariota is not chucking it 25, 30 times. Yeah, I guess the Bucks he had twenty five attempts, uh, but it was only fourteen completions. Uh, so see, it kind of sort of gets when you, when you get to that point, it's like all right, the passing game is really not going to kill us. I mean, it's really not going to do as much damage as we want. We need to be selective with that. I I feel better with him throwing the ball fifteen to twenty times. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a that's a safe formula yeah and i mean i think if they unlock that the, the thing that the offense is still missing is the deep play action part of it which is really impo- really important we know for arthur smith his offensive scheme in general and we've seen them like when the tennessee offense for those two years was really lethal and really dangerous that was when they had ryan Tannehill chucking it deep off of play action in a dominant running game um and the Falcons don't quite have the the deep play action passing game like where it needs to be. Not yet. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you do you incorporate a small package for Ritter? I mean, what are just I guess was asked add, about that, right? And I think he said right now they weren't planning to. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it's it's always weird when you put put in another quarterback. Um I which mean, I can understand. 
Yeah, I guess it really, it probably depends on how Mariota continues to play, right? Like, if he had had yeah. a bad game against the 49ers, we'd probably be, the Ritter chance would be, like, louder than they've ever been. But because he had a really good, efficient game and was just this really dangerous runner that was absolutely, his runs were key to, like, two or three different drives staying alive. Um, right. You know, that's going to quiet that all down. And really what we need to see for Mariota is the deep passing game click at some point. Because if that... If he does unlock that part of his game and this offense starts to get to where it needs to be with the passing game now too and not just being this very limited passing game, then you're talking about this top five offense because they're already eight. Like they're already top 10 offense. Um, so yeah, it's uh, eighth, it's overall, eighth in scoring. scoring. Yeah, they're eighth in scoring. Yeah. Eighth in scoring. Okay. Yeah. I think it's in yards. They're actually 23rd uh, on offense, which is really funny that they – but they've been really efficient with their scoring. They've gotten, I think, a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown. But I mean, it's hasn't yeah. been like that crazy um, in terms I, I of the other scoring. But that's the feather in the cap for them: the fact that they're able to run the ball effectively, and the fact that they're efficient with their possessions. They're efficient on offense. They're one of the more. Uh, I, I tweeted it out this morning. They're third in the league in offensive DVOA. Um, and that's they're ahead of like the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs is for fifth or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the efficiency is is something that's that's paying off. And and like he's like you said, if he's able to open up that passing game, man, that's a whole different layer you got to deal with. You know, um, we'll we'll see. Do you think it's reps? Do you, do you think it's just? Do you think? Do you think he can throw his way out of this funk? Or do you think this is really who Marcus Mariota is and that when it comes to the passing game, there needs to be, you know, few, few, few plays in between when it comes to attacking certain defenses? Or do you think he can really open this thing up if he just gets more reps and more time? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't think we know really for sure. I mean, I think there's certainly a chance that as with all passing games, like you just need a lot of reps to get that deep stuff really synced up and timed up and everything. And um, I think there's a chance that that's the case here. Uh, mm -hmm. I also think it could just be that that's never going to be a strong suit of his particular game. Um, and that might be why we eventually see Ritter. But if he keeps, if he keeps it up as a runner and can, I mean, even if he can increase the passing game a little bit, um, and just make it a little bit more efficient or a little bit more volume when they need it and just hit one or two deep shots a game, like that changes everything. Like if you if you just add one or two deep shots, like 30, 40 yard pass plays to what we have now, now we're in the 200s per in passing yardage every game. And that's like now like you're basically a normal, you know, passing offense. And that's probably a hyper efficient passing offense as well. And I think that's all you really need to get this where it is. But the question remains, like we haven't seen the deep stuff work yet. And if it can't work, then we need to know, like, you know, it's very important for this offense being as dangerous as it should be. And is that a, a you know, a function of Mariota not being able to do it consistently? Or is it more a Falcons just, they, they haven't gotten it down yet? You know, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's kind of early to know. But look, I mean, I think if, if Mariota does unlock that and does start hitting those deep shots and this offense continues to improve especially in the passing game, then I think you're talking about like, is, is Mariota a guy that we do bring back next year and that sort of thing. And, and that's certainly within the range of outcomes. I know you and I are both very high on Desmond Ritter too. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it just, 
if they're if they're winning games like they are now and they're going into the playoffs you know the the clock on Ritter gets longer and longer every time they win a game and Marcus Mariota looks good um like mm. I don't think they're gonna force Mariota off the field to play Ritter if Mariota is leading them to the playoffs and playing well um no I'm so it really it's it's up to sort of Mariota and I think it's up to Ritter too because I think if if Ritter becomes ready to go um and and they think that Ritter gives them a better chance to win then you know, they'll probably put in Ritter at that point. But I, I don't know when or if that will happen. I don't know if it'll be because Mariota struggles or, you know, some, something else or God forbid there's injuries. Um, but right. the fact that we have Ritter waiting in the in the wings of this offense it, as, a, as a break glass in case of emergency op- option, as a potential injury replacement, if this team is competing for the playoffs, that's valuable too, even if, he doesn't like. It's a good situation for the Falcons if Mariota is playing so well that we don't see Desmond Ritter. Um, it is it so. Is. It's, a, it's, it's complicated as a. It makes things complicated, but it's good complicated because then it's like mm-hmm. if Ritter is just amazing in practice and you really want him to play, but Mariota is playing great. You know, now you're talking about do we have a trade asset in Marcus Mariota that's valuable enough that we consider moving him? You know. Um, yeah. Or do we, you know, just just sort of wait and see with Ritter and just c- continue to ride Mariota for one more year and see what happens because despite them drafting Ritter it's just a third round pick like it's not like he's a first rounder that's like you're like okay when is he gonna play like as much as we like him you know if Mariota's playing great and they're in the playoffs like it the timer it's the timer's not as strict and demanding as it would have been if this was like a Kenny Pickett who you take in the first round and you're like okay when is he gonna play like when Mariota was playing poorly in the Bucks and the Browns games, it was like, okay, well, when are we going to see Ritter? But if he continues to have more games like San Francisco, then it's going to be like, okay, well, are we going to see Ritter? So there's a lot of football left, I guess. And it's, we've sort of seen both ends of the spectrum. Um, but again, like, what do we do when the Falcons get up against an opponent where they have to throw the ball more? Um, and so far we've seen, and I was talking to some uh, Bengals fans about this today, that like, they think that the Bengals are going to be able to score and sort of take Atlanta out of their element. And they're like, oh, well, the Falcons can't come from behind. And it's like, well, you haven't watched this team because they've come from behind multiple times. They came they came back and, and threatened the Rams down 28 to 3. Uh, and against the Bucks, you know, they were down 21 to 0 and came back in that game, should have had a chance to win it. So, like, despite them actually being this run-heavy offense that you would think can't come back, they've already done it and been in the position to win games twice in six games. So it's sort of a weird offense i had a little back and forth yesterday with Bengals fans about this because they were saying the same thing to me oh if the falcons get in the hole they're going to be forced to pass and they're going to try to get in shootout mode and that's not an issue that you want blah 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 cool all right whatever my my whole rebuttal to that was the fact that they've already been in two games where they were down three scores in the second half and most teams would say we need to throw it but for some reason they're not like they they've been there in both games against the rams and the bucks they stuck with the run game and it opened up in the second half which led them to get back into the game so even if this is the case with Cincinnati, like I, I tried to tell Bengals fans, like they're not going to tell Marcus Mariota to go to four wides and throw the ball. Even if they're down three scores to the Bengals in the second half, they're probably still going to run the football. Yeah. So they're going to keep running. 
um, right. no matter what. And they, they argue with me like, no, that's not what they're... Oh, okay, guys. Have you seen what they've done? Because they haven't really ever stopped running the football. <laughs> like ever. They, um, they, they had stop. 40 attempts last week. <laughs> they were down three scores to Tom Brady, and they said, we're still going to run the football. Y'all really think, like, even if they're three scores down to the Bengals and Joe Burrow, they're just going to say, all right, we're not going to run it anymore? Like, no, they're still going to stick to their formula, guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's all about with Atlanta, like, they're going to try to grind down your defense and – that sort of thing, and they, they, they've done that effectively against most of the teams they've played. Um, so I've been very impressed with how they've managed that uh, so far. You know, against the 49ers, really tough defense, just ground them down, and, and 160 yards on the ground, you know, even more impressive game against the Bucks. I felt uh, robbed of an opportunity to potentially steal that game and be first in the division. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been very... Very refreshing to see this run game actually take off, and they've done it without Cordell Patterson. We've seen pretty much everyone who's taken a handoff have success. Uh, Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley's looked great. Avery Williams only has nine carries, but he's like at six yards per carry because he just seems to always take off for a big run every time. Um, so it's it's fun to watch this this team, and it's. Do you think this is like this offense right now that you're seeing? Hard to believe this is like their end game offense, right? Because when you see the the high level investments in Kyle Pitts and Drake London, you have to think that they're planning to throw the ball more than fourteen times most games. But I mean, what do you think about the way this offense is constructed? And is this just a temporary thing, or do you think this is more of like this is going to be their game plan even when the passing game gets going? Like they're still going to lean mostly on the run game. Uh, that's I, I think it's, I think it's mainly still going to be a run heavy approach. I think there's going to be a little bit more wrinkles thrown in, um, and I and I and I don't I don't want fans to think this is going to be the final product because I, let's be quite honest here, they don't have their ideal quarterback under center yet, but they they may he may be in the building he may just not be ready to play yet. Um, they can they can stand to add another weapon opposite Drake London. Um, and maybe if they wanted to, maybe they can add another another horse in the stable in the backfield, um, depending on if they wanted to, you know, upgrade in the draft or something like that. You're talking about, um, you're talking about, you know who? I'm not going to say it. Say it. <laughs> you um, know who? <laughs> um, but, I, but I, I think this is even when those components are put together, I think there's still going to be a run heavy approach. But like I said, like I said, I think it's a few more wrinkles are going to be thrown in there. You probably want to see more deep passing once they finally get that guy up on their center that they want. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. Yeah. But I, I expect this. I expect the offensive of mentality and approach to have a lot of similarities to like San Francisco's or or Philadelphia's where. Yes, they got weapons on the outside, but you're really not going to see those weapons being utilized until the run game gets going. When that run game gets going, it's going to make things a lot easier for the weapons on the back end or your skill position, guys. So I, I think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I agree. And OK, so this is this is a tangent, but this was something that uh, I talked about on another show today. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think that it, it's something that is unlikely, obviously, but is interesting enough that I, I think it's worth talking about over the course of the year and, and following. And that's 
what they do at quarterback next year. Right now, obviously, it's let's see what we have in Ritter. Let's see what we have in in Mariota. We've talked about various scenarios for both of those guys. We've also talked about, you know, do they dip into the draft again for someone like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud? I I personally think drafting a, another quarterback is not going to happen. Um, but that yeah. doesn't mean doesn't like mean zero. that they may not be interested in another quarterback. What are your thoughts on the, you know, sort of three point shot, half court shot of the Falcons being aggressive for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson next off season, if for some reason he was to become available? Because I mean, could you think of a better quarterback for this offense than Lamar Jackson? I mean, I can't. All right. Here's my theory <laughs> for those who haven't heard it yet. All right. First of all, let's, let me go ahead and say th- everyone in the building loves Ritter. They think Ritter can be the quarterback of the future. Okay. But given how they rolled out the red carpet for Deshaun Watson this offseason and how they were willing to literally go to sell their soul to bring in a guy like Watson to be their quarterback. Keep in mind that started because Watson expressed interest first. Yes. They, they didn't really pursue him until they found out like, oh, okay, he thinks he wants to play, may want to play here. If Lamar Jackson, if, if they just get any type of signal, some type of, I don't know, a TikTok video, a little, I don't know, a little blurb in a, in a, in a blog, something, I don't know. But if they get any type of notice, that there's interest from Lamar Jackson, I honestly think they're going to shoot their shot. Whether they get him is going to be a different story. Yeah. But I honestly yeah. think they're going to shoot their shot. Yeah. Because I, I think this offense is 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 tailor-made for him. Like, yeah. oh my God. Like yeah. he perfect. Oh, Couldn't my. possibly be a better fit. Uh, like right. And, and uh, he and 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 he knows that. Yeah. Players pay attention now. Don't 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 think they're just they're looking at Atlanta or oh, that's no players pay attention. Lamar sees from afar. Damn, I can, I can do that. I kind of yeah. like how they operate there. I I mean I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. I still think it's a very low chance of happening. But we we chance. saw like we saw how aggressive Atlanta was to go after Deshaun Watson, well, which I think you yeah. and I both agree was a terrible decision to pursue him. Not necessarily. Not necessarily that going aggressively for a quarterback was a bad move. Right. Him in particular was a bad move, but right. so it wasn't smart. But I mean, I think we should be completely prepared for them to do it again for a quarterback with way less baggage and, in my right. opinion, a better fit for this offense, even. But it, so, it has yeah. to start from Lamar. It's, it's not going to be a situation where they're going to go into the offseason and say priority number one is let's see if we can sign Lamar. I think yeah. they truly feel they have their quarterback in the building. However, if a former NFL MVP who is an elite quarterback and just having him under center gets you a seat at the table, if he sits here and says, I would like to play in Atlanta, I can see myself playing in Atlanta. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to hurt to say, oh, okay, all right, let's sit down and talk. What right. You want? I mean, I'll have that conversation, right? And, uh, I, I do think they'll they'll have interest. And, like, I, I think what, what Fontenot would say is, like, you know, we have interest in every good, great player that becomes available, you know. And he's right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they do their their diligence. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, it depends on a lot of factors. First of all, does he even get out of Baltimore? Because I think they'll just tag him if they can't get a deal done. Now that doesn't mean that they won't trade him at that point. But yeah, just agree to that. He doesn't. I, I don't know if he's going to agree to that. And like you said, yes, there's still a sign and trade possibility, even if they yep. do. I just I feel like with everything that's going on in Baltimore, they've been doing this for two. It's been two years now. Yeah, that they've been negotiating a long-term deal. It hasn't happened yet. What else does Le- What else does Lamar need to do in order for him to be re-signed? At this well, it, point? it sounds like it was coming from him. Like he didn't want to re-sign in Baltimore. Well, well to I, some extent, I think, to some extent, I think he did. I think yeah. he did, but I think he felt low-balled, which understandably they offered him uh, less money than Kyler was offered, and he's a better quarterback than Kyler. Yeah. Um, he's, I think he's looking at like what 250 guaranteed is like the starting yeah. point, mm-hmm. which I, what I do think though, not having an agent in this situation hurts the negotiations because it's, yeah. it's literally just Lamar and the team. Yeah. So there's no agent in his ear that's saying, Hey man, look, you can't keep shooting down these guaranteed offers that they're giving you. You're, you may not get this from other markets. This mm-hmm. may be your, but that's not in his ear. Right. So, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not confident that they're going to resign him, honestly. No, I'm not either. I think there's a chance that he, I think, I don't think he walks, obviously. I think at, at best he's tagged and traded. Like, I don't, they, they can't just let him leave the building. Like, that's not going to happen. They can't. No, um, they can't. But, you know, a tag and trade where he's demanding to get out of there, that could be something else entirely. And look, maybe Marcus Mariota plays great. The Falcons make the playoffs, right? Uh, you flip Mariota for Jackson and a couple first, you know, that, that way the Ravens have another bridge quarterback. They can, they can lean on. I mean, they have Tyler Huntley too. So it's like, <laughs> I, I thought about this because you gotta, you look at, look at Denver's situation with Denver did with Seattle. They sent four draft picks and three players for Russell Wilson, which was ridiculous. <laughs> that whole just nuts. That's crazy. Yes. And it looks even, it looks worse by the day at this point. Um, I I feel two firsts and probably two seconds will get you like will get them talking. I still think there's going to need they're probably going to need a body thrown in there, a player thrown in there. I initially thought about Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Falcon Falcon still own his rights. They may not want to pay him that twelve million dollar uh, fifth year option next year because they probably already feel he's not in their long-term plans. Why not just send him to Baltimore, let him negotiate a a new deal in Baltimore, or let Baltimore say, Hey, we'll give you a one year prove it deal. And if you, you know, if you, if you come in and you play like an all pro, like we expect you to, we'll pick up negotiations after the season. Yeah. He gets a new pick. He gets a new, New chance at life. He gets a you know a new team, new city, in a scheme where I'm not necessarily. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think he's going to be in a putting up a hundred catches and double digit touchdowns every year. No, but it's but, a it's yeah. it's a scheme that it's a scheme that it's a team that needs him that can use his weaponry. Yeah, and like I, you know, it, it's interesting to think about because it, the only reason I even it's on my radars because we just saw them try to do the same thing for Deshaun Watson, who for reasons we've discussed much more risky, much more 
not even as good of a fit, I think, for this offense, where Lamar is like Mariota on steroids, you know, and not like literally, but, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that he's right. like the S version of Mariota um, as a passer and a runner. And like, I think you, I think you could see that, uh, that, that Jackson would just be the perfect fit for this offense. And they don't need him to run the ball like, like 10 times a game. Like they're not going to make him just be this running quarterback They're I, I think know. they're going to, they're going to utilize him way better than the Ravens are by, letting him right. throw more. And like when he does right. run, it's going to be these, like what, what Mario is doing, just picking up chunks yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I, I, I think I, the, the Deshaun situation, not only with the Falcons, but the Deshaun situation with the Browns, hell, the saints were ready to offload some picks and some players. I know, uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Cesar Ruiz were two names that were talked about to be sent to Houston for for Deshaun if they were to get if they were to get him so you look at those situations you look at the Denver Seattle situation with Russell Wilson teams are willing to go above and beyond to get an elite quarterback in the building because when you have that it changes everything it changes the entire conversation if once you have that 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 Josh Allen that Mahomes that Lamar that Burrow once he's under center everything is it like everything is on the table at that point like you're you're now a playoff contender at worst teams yeah. are willing to go beyond that they're willing to break the bank and and go to high hurdles for that so yeah yeah and you know the falcons are in a a good situation this year uh or next year financially where they could front load that contract and not have it hamstring their cap you know like they could could have a lot of flexibility uh, and, and really be responsible with how they give that contract out. Um, yeah. and you know, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think that's something fun to monitor. I mean, I think the chances of it are very low, like less than 10%, right. but, um, right. you know, fun to, fun to talk about. And it, because they were so aggressive for quarterback and because he's such a perfect fit at that, that's going to be a fun thing to monitor all off season. And I agree that, you know, Calvin Ridley would be a nice pot sweetener, uh, yeah. as well. So yeah. We'll see how that. We'll see if we hear any more buzz on that as as the off season sort of uh, gets going in another couple, you know, few months. Thankfully, we still got actual football going on here. But uh, right. yeah, guys, before we get to more of that actual football, a uh, reminder to please like and subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate that. If you're listening to the audio, give us a five star review. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, that's Patreon.com/slash/FalcoholicLive. Discord is in the show description along with all the links to donate and, and uh, get involved with all of our other stuff. So thanks so much for that, guys. Um, let's touch on the the roster shuffling this week. We did see Casey Hayward get put on IR. That's obviously some uh, significant since he played almost all the snaps at the corner position opposite A.J. Terrell. What do you think about the loss of Hayward, and who do you see sort of stepping up into his position? I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a, a notable loss. I mean, that's at the very least, it's another, it's a veteran voice in the locker room. It's a veteran voice on the field that you have now. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, and it's coming at a, not an ideal time, you know, and you're, it's coming at a time where you're, you're facing, you know, one of the best passing offenses in the league, in the entire league. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, but it's something that this team has already seen so far. When it came to uh, key names being out for some time, you know, they lost Damian Williams after week one. Um, Cordero went down, you know, but they found a way to adjust. And I think this is just another another opportunity for them to adjust as a team. 
You know, you're asking guys like D. Alford and, and Darren Hall to step up. I, me personally, I think they have a little, they have uh, north of like $9 million still in cap space right now. Yep. I wouldn't mind tapping the well a little bit for a veteran cornerback and bringing him in. Um, especially if he's, because he's out for four weeks at least. We don't know if it's going to be any longer than that. I and mean, we see with Damon Williams, it's probably, you know, with Damon Williams, he's been out for a, 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 like an extra week or so, right? I don't yep. think he's even been eligible to practice yet. Um, so yeah, I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I'm interested if they would go after anyone um, because we saw Darren Hall come in in reserve and had like a great game. Like I think he had like a 90 PFF grade and broke up like three passes and looked awesome. That hasn't necessarily been what we've come to expect from Darren Hall week in and week out. I think they're going to certainly give him an opportunity this week against Cincinnati before they make any other moves. We may see like a practice squad elevation or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what else I think in terms of available corners. I mean, it's like there's a, there's some veterans, you know, sort of. AJ Bouye yeah. came to mind. Yeah, I, I like, say. I certainly like him. UCF great AJ Bouye. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind. He's not. I mean, he's not, he's only 30. Yeah. He's not, it's not, you know, gray haired in the no, league. No, it's but, not like that. Yeah. Um, he's a Georgia native as well. So mm-hmm. why I mean, that's, that's something that they've been doing this all season anyway. Right. They've been yeah, yeah. quietly been bringing in Georgia guys. So yeah. Yeah. They got, I mean, yeah, there, there are options like uh Kevin King, Malcolm Butler still out there. Janoris Jenkins. Um, those are Jack, Jack rabbit would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you got, you know, Pierre Desir. Oh, man, Desmond Trufant, reunion. <laughs> Poor Trufant. He has not had the, the best uh, the best couple seasons. Uh, but, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think they could tap into that well. But, you know, I, I'm not necessarily expecting them to sign someone unless Darren Hall has, like, a really bad game or something. Um, so we'll man, see. Yeah. I, would hate, I hate for this to be the litmus test. Like, man. You have a bad game yeah. against Jamal Chase. Right. We're going to find somebody to replace. Like, thanks, man. Seriously? Like, that's... Jesus. Yeah, yeah Robert Alfred's available, too. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go out there for four weeks. It's okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're all good. We're all good. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think D. Alford is another guy they could turn to in a, in a pinch because he did play outside cornerback at the CFL. I mean, that's where he's mostly played. So, we've... Like, he's... D. Alford is a crazy player to me. Um, like on that third and one at the end of the 49ers game where they stuffed the running back, it was all D. Alford because he was he was one on one with Jeff uh, with Tevin Coleman, excuse me, uh, and, Te- and Coleman like cut it back inside because of D. Alford's contain, mm. and he ran it behind his right tackle, and D. Alford just like slips underneath the right tackle and still makes the tackle like. Because mm-hmm. I think if I was Coleman, I would have just been like, you know what? I think I can truck D. Alford, this 175-pound corner, for like a one-yard gain. I'm just going to take it outside. But no, he does what he's supposed to do. He goes behind his his tackle, and like D. Alford just like slips underneath him and makes the tackle along with Mike Ford. Like, this dude's yeah. 175 pounds. He's <laughs> tougher than nails, man. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. He reminds me of like a Jaquiz Rogers. Just like, I, he doesn't even matter. He's like 5'6". He's just going to yeah. truck everyone he's, in pass pro. So. Really good ball skills. Underrated yeah. skills, um, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see how how he's incorporated. There are it's it's time to step up, man. This is what you were this is what you made the roster for. There's going to be times where you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to be tested, and it's it's not as if we're playing an offense where you know they should be able to, 
you know, gradually, you know, handled the circumstances, the situation in front of them, but they're, they're coming in and they're getting ready to play the defending AFC champs. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like magical that like Isaiah Oliver comes back just in time for the Falcons to to weather a cornerback injury. We did, we did see uh, Oliver play not a full allotment of snaps, but most of the snaps in the slot. He had that pick. Um, right. And beautiful pick. He looks, he looks healthy to me. So it's, it's nice to have him back in the slot. Certainly. Um, and it sounds like Terrell and, and Oliver are expected to practice this week. And there's not necessarily a ton of concern for their status. So how big is that, that instead of being down three corners going into the Cincy game, we might just be down uh, Hayward at this point. I mean, that was clutch. I, I really, because of the fact how Cincy operates with their slot receivers, um, it was is very beneficial uh, to have a guy like Oliver back in the fold. Um, he, you know, he's he's going to be a steady presence in this defense, and uh, having him on the field was was just huge. And him getting that pick, that was a very beautiful pick, by the way. I mean, he went mm-hmm. outstretched over the defender to get that thing. Um, he his play is going to be is going to be needed. His playmaking ability is going to be needed this week. Um, and he's probably going to see a lot of Tyler Boyd, um, maybe a, maybe a little bit of a Higgins every now and then as well. So it's it's glad he's back for sure. Yeah, it's going to be baptism by fire for all these guys coming in. Um, and the secret to beating the Bengals has always been getting pressure. Uh, I don't know how, how well the Falcons are going to do with that. They haven't. They've done great. They've done fine at getting pressure. They haven't done great at getting sacks. So we'll have to see how well that translates. But speaking of pressure, uh, Arnold Ebukati, I believe third or tied for second uh, in the NFL among rookies for most pressures. I think he has 15 at this point. And he's, uh, it's interesting because he's played, I think, half the snaps of the guys in front of him um, mm-hmm. because he was a, only a part-time player up until this last week. So what do you think about Ebikati so far? I think I remember. I think I remember you being a big fan of his. We were both pretty excited when he got drafted. Yeah, yeah. Ebikati is one of those. He's one of those prospects coming out of a Penn State where he was just so well rounded. You know, there's there's not a ton of red flags when it comes to him. You know, and and the name that that initially came out to me when I watched him play was Shaq Barrett of the Bucks. That was that was a guy that, that I saw a lot of similarities with. Um, you start if you if you throw on the tape if you're if you're a football head and you like to watch tape and I'm not talking about YouTube highlights if you like to watch actual football tape, throw it on. Look at 47. He's out there, man. Um, but there's going to come a time where these pressures turn into sacks, yes. mm-hmm. and we're going to need to see that. This is probably a week where I would like to see those pressures turn into sacks. <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, yes, it, it would be nice. Yeah, it would it, be very. It much tends fun. to cool. happen. Um, he has an right. insanely low. Uh, sack to pressure rate at this point with just one sack to go along with 15 pressures. He's the anti Vic Beasley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, and and the thing is, man, it's, there's a lot of little things that he's doing so well from hand placement to uh, just pass rushing arsenal that he's using footwork, uh, timing the snap. There's little small things that you're not going to see on the stat sheet. No one's really going to point out unless you actually focus on it in film. He's doing a lot of the small things well, man. I think the Falcons got themselves something here. They got a they got a future double digit sack artist, in my opinion. I think he could be certainly. I think he's he's a guy that's flashing that kind of ability. Um, and fifteen pressures in six games is is nothing to uh, to 
especially for a part-time player. Uh, that's impressive yeah. numbers. So I think we're just he's seeing... He's got him up there, man. He's got yeah. mess. Yeah. He's tough. He's tough to handle out there. Uh, we got Jason Keynes with the $2. What's up, Jason? He says, nice to see Dante Fowler with the poorly timed offsides for the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Also, shout out to Isaiah Oliver for that interception. And it's always great to beat Shanahan. Fun fact, Falcons now 2-1 and one against him since he became the 49ers head coach. So, uh, Falcons getting the better of Shanahan since he left. So, that's that's what you get, Shanahan, for blowing that Super Bowl. So. Always <laughs> wanting to stick it to him, man. Always yep. wanting to stick it to him. Right? Yep, that's you know permanent state of affairs here now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, what what do you think about how the tight end room is changing now? Uh, we did see Michael Pruitt activated to the roster over the past two weeks. Now, on the roster, Anthony Ferks are deactivated. Felipe Franks remaining active but not getting any offensive snaps. Uh, for me, the Michael Pruitt thing I really like because I, I've sort of been like, okay, let's stop pretending we have enough targets to go around to all these other tight ends. Like, just get just get a bunch of blockers out there and be done with it. Um, so I'm I'm happy about that. Pruitt's been very effective as a blocker in his two games. Uh, do you think this is maybe the end of the line for Ferkser, or is this the end of the Franks experiment, or what do you think is going on at tight end at this I'm point? Hoping, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping the latter, Kevin. I'm hoping the latter. <laughs> I don't think that's the I'm case based on who's been active. But <laughs> the door on whatever funky experiment we're trying to do with Frank. So like this is not working. And this is a problem. This is a problem that I had in the offseason, man. And my thing is, he, you know, he made the the final 53. And my issue is if he's not going to play special teams extensively, which he isn't. Yeah, he played like six snaps, and, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If he's not gonna do that and he's not gonna be, you know, like a like a actual like third QB on the roster on game days, what's the point of having him on the active roster? I don't get it. Like at the practice squad him. Just put him out there in practice squad and let him whatever reps he needs, whatever, that's fine. But he's taking up roster spots on game days. And I'm like, for what? Yeah. For what? And we're don't even get me started about the bus game. There's no reason why we should be drawing up deep post routes for Felipe Franks, man. This they is... just so desperately want it to be a thing. Oh my god. <laughs> I, when I saw that, I was like, what the hell are we doing? We're drawing up deep posts for Franks against Antoine Winfield Jr. This is <laughs> It is certainly something. It's certainly something out there. Um, yeah, he's Franks has played 36 offensive snaps and 18 special team snaps over six weeks. So clearly not a big role there. Um, so why is he why is he here on game days? I don't right. get it, man. Well, it's interesting because uh, Michael Pruitt had got 28 offensive snaps already in in two games uh, compared to 36 on the whole season for Franks. So what, it seems like Pruitt may have overtaken him. Yeah. What's been the deal with Ferkser though? Like, what I don't, I, I don't think it's an injury. I haven't really no. focused a lot, whole lot of him on film. Yeah, but I haven't really seen anything that's like, okay, he's a liability. No, I can see I, why threw it up. I don't. I it, think I, it's, I guess it's something he doesn't internal. block. Yeah, he doesn't block. Um, right. And well, neither does. Well, yeah, Frank's doesn't block either, but they, they barely <laughs> so, play Frank's. But I, I think it's like, I think they thought. If there were more targets to go around, they'd like to have that like second tight end to really chuck the ball to. But that just hasn't been a thing at all. 
Um, so look, if, I, if, if he's if he's not look okay, if he doesn't block, great. I get it. He's not the greatest of blockers, but still, I'd rather him be tight end three on game days than yeah. Then Franks. I mean, I, I'd rather yeah. go that route. Right. I mean, maybe it should just he, be Mike. Maybe it's just Michael Pruitt though, because he caught the touchdown. It could, <laughs> but he can at least. But he, even if they wanted to go three tight ends on game days, at least Ferkser can give you that receiving threat, yeah. that receiving yeah. ability. You can't get anything from Franks. What are we? What are we putting him out there for? He can't it's, block. He's afraid. He's to not catch ready. He's first. not ready. Clearly, yeah. He, he's not. So just practice squad him. Just. I guess they're afraid he'll get poached. That's the only reason I could think that he's not on the squad. Uh, but I mean, he hasn't shown oh, anything. I mean, it's it's an odd decision to me. Yeah. All right. I mean, Fuck. clearly, it's... clearly Arthur Smith cares. Okay. <laughs> if he didn't care, he'd be on the practice squad right now. So, um, it, it's very We're interesting not... this obsession with Franks. Yeah. It's it's not going to set us back as a team if someone takes him off the practice squad. I'm, I'm t- I mean, the team will be fine. Yeah. The team will be fine. You're right. You're right. But <laughs> it's, it's just interesting. Gone. It's funny that that's, that's like the, the big contentious thing on offense is like, oh, our 53rd roster spot going to Felipe Franks. What the hell is going on? You know, what um, is, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm glad that's what we're mad about this season because it, it could be way worse. It could be way <laughs> could worse. Be worse. We're it like angry about be, giving 20 snaps to, to Felipe Franks over the course of the season. It could be, like oh, they haven't won a game yet. They're yeah. 0 6. They haven't yep. won a game yet. Well, we already because, beat USA Today's prediction, right? Because we won three. Right, right. Because so. <laughs> they were only supposed to win because it was the yeah. worst roster in the league. My, yes. my, excuse me for the language. My ass. Okay. <laughs> worst roster. Stop it. You know, no. the Texans existed. Uh, so The Bears. Yeah, the have Bears. You, yeah. You... Oof. The Bears have been a rough watch. They've been a rough watch. The Commanders. Are you kidding me? Yep. I feel like we, we've gotten Bears in prime time. Uh, the Falcons don't get any primetime games. It's really, it's really sad. Yeah. They have, and they got Monday night coming up. Yep. And then Washington has had one. Yeah, we can't get one. All right, no. whatever. No, we might get flexed if we stay like this, though. There, there might be a flex in our future. Uh, if they're competitive for the playoffs, like they might flex some of those late season, especially that Week 18 Tampa game. That could be flexed for sure. I want that game. Yeah. I want that game, Kevin. We need to beat Tom for God's sake. That's our last chance, maybe. So we got to do it. Like he's old, okay. He's, he's, old <laughs> he's shown weakness. Yes. Tom Brady. I swear, <laughs> I had so much respect for Tom Brady before this past game. I'm like now, I'm like, I don't care what happens to you. <laughs> Get him. Get him. Get him. You know, yeah, we got to take that man down. We got to knock him down a notch. So. Yes. Um, Get you know, every legally. Legally, but every yeah. dollar you can, Giselle. I'm actually cheering for Giselle in this in this divorce battle here. You go, girl. Oh God, that's funny. Yeah, no, it's uh, we need to get that dub though. That's our last chance, probably. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got to get what that way, dub. What a way to send him off. That would Final be perfect. Season game in a in a season where he's experienced losses and a divorce. Bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Good luck with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to get your take on the season as a whole because, like, this this team, I think it's – I don't know what your prediction would have been through these first six games. I think for me it was, like, two and four, maybe one and five. I can't remember exactly. Um, so they've already outperformed my expectations. Um, and I think getting this win against San Francisco – 
sort of changes things for them because now in this next seven game stretch, you just have to go four and three to, to have a winning record. And they play the Bengals. That's a tough game, obviously. But then they play the Panthers twice, the Bears, the Commanders, the Steelers. You know, the only other game that you're probably circling as potential loss that you would be concerned about is the Chargers. And the, the Falcons will probably be favored in every single other one of these games. Um, so, like, if they go four and three, they're going to go into that bye week with a winning record at seven and six. Um, and then anything could happen because I think you can go two and two in that last four game stretch nine and eight is probably good enough to get that seven seed in the NFC this year. So what do you think about, has it, has your opinion on their, their season long trajectory changed after this first six games? Not, not necessarily. I I remember after the first five games, I had them going two and three. Anyway, I had the only losses that we would have swapped was I had them beating the saints and I had them losing to the Browns. So those those were were swapped there. Um, but for the most part, they've been exactly what I expected them to be. I felt like this is a team that may not have been able to make the playoffs, but it's one of those teams that's just scrappy. You hate to play. They 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 find their way in literally just about every game. It's it's it, I, and and that's exactly what they are now. They're one of those teams that's like yo they're they're fight they're a feisty bunch. You're supposed to run them off. The Rams were supposed to run them off the floor. Rams couldn't put them away. The Bucks were supposed to annihilate them. The Bucks couldn't put them away, you know. And and they took advantage of opportunities against the against the Niners and the Browns, who I feel are more talented rosters. But they took advantage of of those teams having injuries, which happens in the NFL, and they got wins out of it. So I, I think they're right on point as as far as what I expected them to be. I just wanted them. To, I just wanted to see them compete, Kevin. And I yeah. think you feel the same way. Like it was just, you knew this was a better roster than last year, but mm. they competed in a lot of games last year. And I wanted to see them compete against some of the better teams in the league this year. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. So yeah. I, I'm fine with, with what we've seen. Yeah, I I think it's what we were hoping for, to see this team in every single game, really taking it to opponents, I mean, they every single game has been within a score except for the 49ers game where they won by two scores. Um, so I think this is what we were hoping for. Like, I think in the preseason we were saying things like, I think this is going to be this, you know, this team could easily be last year's Lions where they're this sort of frisky team that everybody likes and is really competitive, mm-hmm. but they just don't win a lot of games because of the schedule. Now the schedule looks like, oh, wait, like the schedule is actually not as difficult as it appeared in the preseason and the Falcons are playing better than expected. I mean, they're a top 10 offense. So you take that same thing and flip it around and be like, well, maybe they're not the lions. Maybe they're the Eagles. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Eagles so pressure, yeah. Yeah. Um, because that, that was, go ahead. They just look like them. Like they're, they're not yeah. throwing the ball a lot. They're like mm-hmm. one of the top rushing teams in the NFL and they're winning with sort of opportunistic defense in a really strong run game. I mean, they look like the Eagles from yep. last year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that Eagles, that Eagles team was, you know, again, it was it was a team that you knew had some holes. You know, they they had some some scheme questions that you had, but you know, they always made, you know, they made games out of certain opponents, you know, certain opponents that they were supposed to lose heavily to. And then next thing you know, they they're in the they're in the wild card game. They got a real wild card game. No one expected that. They went nine and eight, right? Yeah. So they mm-hmm. went nine and eight, got a real wild card game. I, I think 
I, now, whether this Falcons team is able to, you know, model that, I don't know. We'll see. Right. But I think at this point, this is a team that's they're learning. They're they're learning that hey, we can we can play with some of these teams, man. Yeah, I mean, even like for the draft, like getting that seventh seed hurts your draft pick you know depending on how the nfl finishes that could cost you six seven eight spots in the draft if you actually get that seven seed but i think that it's worth it to get it because you need to get this roster playoff experience even if it's just one wild card card game that you don't win um getting these guys some playoff experience this year would be big for the future um and they're going to have to go on the road in that game and play the number two seed, whoever that is. Um, and it's going to be a game where they're probably going to be big underdogs, right? Um, so no one's necessarily expecting them to make noise. But I love the seventh seed in that game because it's like you're playing with house money. Like you're you're the seventh seed going against the two. No one expects anything from you. If, mm-hmm. if the two seed loses, they're embarrassed. If you lose, it's like, oh, well, you just made the playoffs, you know, and no big, you know, no big deal. Great job. So mm-hmm. I love that scenario, and I think we'd all enjoy this team in the playoffs, even if it's ultimately a doomed exercise with this roster. Um, <laughs> it's always fun to make the playoffs. So I think, yeah. and it's going to be fun to track. I mean, hopefully they stay in the mix all season this year instead of last year where they, they eventually got out of it uh, after dropping a bunch of games. But, I mean, this team could, depending on if the Bucks recover, from their slump, like this team could easily be challenging for the division lead at nine and eight. Like it could be, it could be, they go into that Tampa game with nine wins and the winner of that game wins the division, you know, or something like that. So um, man, would that be something that, how far we've come, you know, and then against, against Julio, if he plays, yep, man, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I feel so bad for Julio. That man just can't get on the field. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. tragic. It's very tragic. Yeah. We do get a, We still have a pick from him coming this year. I believe it will actually be the Titans' fourth rounder and not their fourth comp because they do not have a comp pick. So, yep. um, so that'll even be better. So we got we we're still raking in returns from that Julio trade. We won that trade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the moment that he left Tennessee, I was like, "Yep, winners." We got that one. We fleeced them, guys. Good job. I mean, everyone was upset about it, but great job. <laughs> this is proof yeah. that we don't, we don't, but we don't, we didn't know exactly what was going on. You know, like it, we had to guess and, and play games with the pick, you know, so I, I do want to give us some, you know, leeway with, with trying to prognosticate without all the information because they don't give us all the information and I don't blame them, but, um, <laughs> you know, you, we can't be trusted with those sort of takes. Uh, nope. But yeah, it, it's been really interesting to to monitor, um, and the Falcons, I think, are are far more exciting than any of us thought they would be at this point. They've basically been as good as we could hope, and I think uh, I, I'm expecting this team to continue to stay interesting. Like, I think it was uh, around the NFL's Greg Rosenthal said that the Falcons have graduated from feisty to spicy now, so... Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think we're there. Like this is a spicy team. I, I, I yeah. do want to, I do want to slow down the talks that yeah. some people have though. Yeah. There are some analysts who are, who are starting to run away with this thing. And I'm like, they're getting very excited up. about Atlanta and that's nice, but like, please he's relax. Up. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, This is usually when we, 
come on, as Falcons fans, we know usually when this happens, the team goes into a funk and then everybody's like, see, I told you that's who they were. And I'm like, you guys, you did this. Like, <laughs> so just, just ease up. I'd rather take it week by week. game. By yeah. Game. I mean, I, something feels different though, right? Like this team does feel different to me. Does it feel different it's, to you? It's up here. It's like, it's the little things that you see. It's like your, your coach chugging beers with the offensive line at the end <laughs> of the game yeah. because they made up that they'll, because it, you know, you know what I read into that? They knew on, in that Saturday walkthrough that the 49ers were going to be down some players. Yeah. So the mentality was, oh man, you know what? We're going to, we're going to run it down their throats. They have, their starters are out. Oh, we're going to, we're going to bully them. That's, that's how I looked at it. And they, they felt that mentality and they said, you know what, coach, we feel so good that we about to bully this second team 49ers that we'll bet you that you have a beer with us at the end of the game. It's the mentality. It's those little things. Yeah. That's that's what I'm seeing. Like we, those games against the Rams and against the Bucks in the past, we would have been embarrassed. But they crawled their way back in it, and they had an opportunity to win the game in the fourth quarter. Yep. It, it, there's a different mindset with this team. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's what what feels different is last year when they went up against some of these really good teams, they just got their asses kicked. Like I mean, yeah. they, they weren't competitive. Against yeah. teams that were on their level or worse, they generally beat them, so that's nice. Yeah. And I think that's a symptom of good coaching. Generally, like you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but right. um, like they they did not they did not put up a fight against better teams. And the difference is this year they put up a fight against everyone, and they're beating and they can beat anybody. They're not just getting blown off the turf by superior rosters. They're now they're playing them tough, and we'll see if that continues. I mean, I suspect at some point that they will lose by more than one score. It would be difficult for them to have, you know, 17 one-score games uh, this year. But it, they're, the way they play and, the, and how efficient they are on offense with a limited number of plays and very few passing attempts, like, they, they naturally sort of shorten games and they naturally limit opportunities for their opponent through the run game and through the defense taking the ball away. I think they're, like, fifth in takeaways this year. So, um, they're... They're doing all the right things for a team to punch above their weight. And, you know, mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see how far that'll take them. Um, but for now, I think it's pretty exciting. It's been it's been fun to watch. And I, I certainly think there's an opportunity for them to really, like, surprise and potentially sneak into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I and, and we're not saying this to be like, oh, everybody get hyped. It's time for the playoffs. It's just like, I think it's you can look at the schedule now and how things have softened up and say this is not far fetched. Like we're probably looking at this being like a one in four shot of them making the playoffs now, or before the year it was like single digits, you know, or something like that. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, how they perform over this next seven games is is really important. Can they, if they can get a win against Cincinnati, then you feel really good uh, really? about their chances. But even if they lose, I don't think that changes anything for me. Um, I'm expecting this to be an L, uh, obviously hoping for it not to be, but you know, I think you'd be wise to go into this expecting a loss. Um, but then you've got this six game stretch where you should win at least four of those games, if not more. Um, right. so they'll be favored in five of those games, I imagine. Um, so it's fun. Uh, it's fun to have this look ahead and I'm hoping we'll finally see this team get a damn winning record. If it's not this week, hopefully in a couple more weeks, but 
They haven't had a winning record since 2017, Eric. Whew. Like, not even for a mm. week. <laughs> mm. I haven't been above 500 since then. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I think we'll get it. I think we'll get it uh, around week 10. Maybe exactly week 10. But uh, I wouldn't be upset if it happened uh, this week. Certainly. I, I would not be upset either. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm kind of sort of along with you where it's like, yeah, I, I, I think the, the opponent may get the better of them in this week. Um, but I, I will say they're six-point underdogs. Yep. I remember, they're undefeated against the spread this year. Great teams cover. So, oh, that boat that bodes well. This this may look like it. It may be a, a one score game or or a tight game at some point in the fourth quarter. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I I I feel I can see and I can feel the mentality of this team changing, and it's it's definitely encouraging for the future. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I, I'm very interested to see. Uh, how they end up finishing the season out and how this goes because I think so far the, you can tell that the mood around the team has already sort of changed completely and there's still time for them to blow it but <laughs> I mean it just doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like previous years like last year they were like four and four at one point but I think we all knew that was fraudulent like I think we all felt it and it was like mm, they're starting to win games but like I, I just don't trust I don't trust it this year they're only three and three, but I feel like everyone's like, "Oh yeah," because you like what you see. Like, you like what you see on offense. They've dominated against the run pretty much every game. They've been able to get takeaways. The defense is only nineteenth this week. Like last year, they were like the last ranked team in DVOA like all year, even when they were like five hundred. And it was like everything is screaming at us that this record is fraudulent. Their point differentials like minus a hundred, um, that sort of thing. This year, yeah. Not to move talent wise. We yeah. just we just like, okay, they're not they're not as good. They yeah. are they were a bottom five roster last year. Yes. I'm not believing that talk this year. It's not a bottom five roster this year. Yeah, and last year I don't they did not have a think a positive point differential at any point last year. After no. last week, nope. they are now plus ten. So um because of this this win over the 49ers. So I think all of the signs the records are the same, more or less, but all of the signs are pointing to this team is actually better maybe even than their record suggests where they actually are legitimately at this level as opposed to last year the DVOA said they were awful the point differential said they were awful um you know and they just managed to win close games because of you know Matt Ryan pulling out some miracles and Youngway Koo being awesome um this yeah. year yeah. they're not really depending on that they're sort of playing their game and getting it done um, and they look a lot better. I think DVOA likes them a lot. Like I think they have them fifteenth overall and like third in offense or, so, or, or so. they're quite high on offense. I think. Um, yeah, they're third, third overall in offense of DVOA. Yeah, which is nuts. Um, yeah. So I trust those stats. Teams. Yeah, I trust those stats. Like I trust DVOA to tell us. Like stats, regular stats can lie. They can be obscured. They can not tell you the full story. You know, uh, their counting stats are good and they do tell you a lot, but they don't. They're, they don't get into the nitty-gritty of stuff. DVOA gives you the full story. It's basically taking everything in context. That's how it works. So for them to be third in offensive DVOA, I think you know that this team is legitimately a really good offense. Um, right. Even though they can't throw the ball. Like, or they don't throw the ball, like, much at all. Um, so it's pretty Just crazy imagine to if they were, Imagine yeah. if they were. Imagine if that wrinkle was, was, was exercised and they're able to actually stress defenses that way. Imagine. Yeah. 
I mean, I think Definitely we'll see it. We'll see. I think we'll see it at some point this year. Um, I think they, they want to unlock that. And maybe it will be Mariota taking that next step. Maybe it'll be Desmond Ritter coming in at some point. But um, as long as they hit it, I don't care who's the Like, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like, I do not. Yeah, like, I don't care. Like, I love Desmond Ritter, but I was happy with the Mariota signing. And, like, we just want this team to win. So whoever can get it done, go get it done. And don't look back. I don't, I don't care either. I don't care. Yeah. Just win games. Yeah, I don't just, care how it's done. Even though nowadays it's looking like, you know, it's not necessarily sloppy, but it's more, it's not, it's not those pretty wins. It's those gritty wins where they're punching back. And that's all I care about. Yeah. So that's all I care about. Yeah, me too. Just, just win, baby. Right. Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't have to be glorious. Doesn't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to light up the scoreboard with pat- passing yardage. You could throw 14 attempts a game and grind it out with like 150 yards rushing and win these low-scoring games. That's fine as long as you win. So, I just, I just want teams to look at the Falcons on the schedule and say, "Damn, we gotta play." Damn. I don't think anyone wants to play this team. To be honest, with you. I I think defenses are like dreading this game. They're like, they're gonna run the ball 40 damn times. We're gonna be so sore after this game. Like, yeah, we are gonna and get they clobbered now. If, if yeah. they don't feel that way now, I want them to feel that way later on in the year where. There's more, a little bit more wear and tear on the body. The season gets older. You know, it's it's cold outside November, December. Yeah. You gotta you gotta tackle Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson for four quarters. Yep. And like the thing about the Falcons offense too that we didn't even touch on is like every single player has a blocking assignment. And it's not just like, oh, ride receiver, go out there and get in the way. It's like, no, Drake, you crash down on that guy. You crack this guy. Zacchaeus, you're coming yeah. across and you're going to crack this guy. Parker Hesse and Key Smith are both coming out of the backfield to lay out somebody. Like, they are hitting guys every play, every position. Even Kyle Pitts had a key run block uh, last week. I think it was on uh, Huntley's imagine, big run. Yeah. Can you imagine how they will look once Cordero and Damian Williams are back in the fold? Man, and we're like we're just adding more horses to the stable. Like I think it's going to be because someone asked me this question yesterday as well. Is that going to impact you know the the, the carries for each player? And I, I think going forward, I would not be surprised if you see a lot more games where the leading rusher has like a dozen carries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it was uh, it was brought up that right now the Falcons have four players on track for 100 carries, and that's never happened before in franchise yeah. history. It's uh, yeah. Mariota, Patterson, Algier, yeah. and Huntley all are on track for 100 carries. So, yeah, and yeah. just I would why not, not? when you have a 30 like an over 30 year old running back, like just right. he doesn't need to carry it 20 times. Like, right, just mix we, it we in. Know. Yeah. We know he's he's even if he carries it twenty five times he's dangerous. But we know he's he's equally dangerous in my opinion when he only has five or six carries going into that fourth quarter, and yeah. now you got to try to tackle him. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with Patterson is like he's that he's that Derrick Henry runner that doesn't need the fifteen carries in the first quarter to to heat up. Like he's right. like no no that's fine. Like I'll, I'll, you know, we're going to switch off. We'll have Patterson for a drive. Then we'll have Huntley for a drive. Then we'll have Algier yep. for a drive. And then at the end of the game, yep. it's just Patterson destroying yep. you after you've already yeah. taken 20 carries from other running backs. Yeah. Um, and he's completely yeah. fresh. So that's going to be fun. Oh yeah. my God. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Hurry up and get back. 
please. Yeah. I mean, he looks ready now. Maybe they didn't need to put him on IR. <laughs> there's, there's no way they can. Yeah, they can't do that, right? Like, they no, can't. it has to be four weeks. But four weeks. I mean, I'm sure they didn't want to rush him back. Like they wanted to make sure right. he was healthy. No, I get it. Got to be I healthy for the playoff run, Eric. I just as a as a well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just no one know would have said a, that four weeks ago, you know. But yeah, I just know as a guy that played on defense before, man. Like those are the little things. Those are the things you hate. You you hate. You hate um, not being able to identify where the playmakers are on an offense. And you hate when you're exhausted. It's the fourth quarter and you are facing a team that likes to run the football that you, you absolutely hate that. Cause that means you gotta, you gotta tackle this running back that you've been trying to tackle for four quarters already. And you gotta do it again. Now when you're, you're beat up, that's not fun, man. It's not fun. Yeah, and we barely even seen what Damian Williams can do. So, um, right, and then you remember he started the season opener. So, yeah. I think the team kind of sort of had like a, a actual plan for Damian Williams. Yeah, where he was going to be a focal point, a key focal point in this rushing attack. Yeah, and I think like Damian Williams with you know whatever the Falcons are doing, I think it's like three point seven yards before contact. Like Damian Williams is very dangerous getting that much mm-hmm. space. Like. So he's another dynamic runner. And right now we're seeing this Falcons offense really succeed with like two hammers and they don't have like, they have the thunder right now. They don't even have the lightning. It just doesn't matter. They're like, that's fine. Right. Mar- Mariota and Avery Williams, like two times can be our lightning and we'll, we'll make do. Um, right. But it's, it's a fun offense to watch. It's creative. And I, there was an article on big blue view, which is the SB nation's giant site where it talked about like, are the Falcons and giants who are both, have really, I think, smart offense coordinators, Brian Dable, Arthur Smith, both teams doing much better than expected, both running this run-heavy, low-passing volume offense. Like, are they doing this out of necessity only, or are they really sort of showing the NFL the blueprint for the future, which is that as teams go to this too-high shell on defense and these lighter fronts and, and having more and more DBs out there going to these hybrid safety linebackers and all this, like, is the solution to that what the Falcons and Giants are doing? And these are actually the trend-setting offenses that teams are going to try to copy. Like, Amen. is the future yeah. going with a Jalen Hurts, going with a Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota-type guy, and just running the ball and not breaking the bank for a top quarterback and, and doing that? Like, I don't know. Is that Maybe that will become more of a viable situation as the quarterback contracts continue to eat more and more of the salary cap. I think part of it is 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 I want to say yes because I think it's in today's day in today's game. Let's be honest. I think it's a little easier to find those type of quarterbacks, those dual threats, those ones that can be able to do a number of things and might not be exceptional in any category. I think it's a little easier to find than out here trying to find the next Patrick Mahomes. Like that's not not everybody. I mean, it is a copycat league. However, I use you like you just pointed out, you're starting to see it a little bit more. You're starting to see these these offenses kind of sort of expand to that where we're running the football and we're running the football with our quarterback. We're designing plays with our quarterback. We're designing different formations um, and, and we're centering it around that. I, yeah. I think it, you can you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it'd be a thing. I think so. I'm interested to see how, how the NFL adapts to it, but. 
it, they can't fully adapt, right? Because they still have to deal with the Bills and the Chiefs, these these offenses mm-hmm. that are going to blast you through the air and you have to play too high. Mm-hmm. So I think it's what? maybe it's just going to diversify the NFL more and we're going to see some teams go with mm-hmm. this Eagles-Falcons-Giants sort of strategy of run-heavy, play-action, and that being very successful. And then some teams continuing to... Like, I don't think the passing game is going away or anything. It's just like maybe no, no, there's no, going to be... Yeah, maybe there's going to be more viable strategies. Because for a while, yeah. it seemed like teams were like, the, the run just doesn't even matter. We're just going to go all in on passing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now maybe this year with scoring down, it's like, well, maybe the run game, when used work. well, when used all, intelligently... All it's, <laughs> all it's, it's going to take, Kevin, all it's going to take is a run-heavy scheme like this to truly like knock out the high octane offenses in the playoffs. Like that's all it's going to take. If you, you see a situation where this run heavy scheme goes on a run in the playoffs and they beat like a, a scheme like this beats the bills and the chiefs in the playoffs, then you might see the league saying, ah, okay. Okay, I, I see this. I see how this works. That's all yeah. it's going to take. No, I, I think so. And we're also seeing sort of the what, as much as we both love Matt Ryan, and we're, we're both big Matt Ryan fans and nothing bad yes. to say about him, um, it's clear nothing. that this offense desperately needed a mobile quarterback, partially because yes. Arthur Smith just wants to, to utilize that, also because the offensive line, while they've improved a lot at run blocking, still very bad at pass blocking. So, um, yeah. That, I think, has really been the key as well. Like, I think it is a downgrade at quarterback overall, but because Mariota does the things you need him to do in this offense, which is escape pressure very easily because he's going to see a lot of it and run, you know. It's an upgrade for the offense, for the scheme, for the play call. for the scheme, yep. Nothing against Matt Ryan. And and tip of the cap to Matt Ryan for passing Dan Marino on the all-time passing list this past Sunday. He's now seventh overall. Just go ahead, you know. Just go ahead and get that that gold jacket ready for him, because yeah. it's going. He's going to look nice in it when it's when it's all said and done. Yep, exactly. So, uh, it's been really interesting to watch this team really change its identity completely. Um, and I think it's it's a much more fun team to watch and uh, a much more successful team. Um, so right. definitely excited to see that going down. Uh, excited to have Eric back on the show. He is Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, any final takes before we wrap things up tonight? Man, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to give a score prediction. Um, but I think we already kind of sort of leaned in this direction early in the show. I, I'm. I, I think the Bengals are going to win. Are going to take the dub this weekend, this Sunday. But I do. I do think it's going to be a close game. Yeah. I, I. I think it's going to be a four quarter fight. And I think that run game is definitely going to hit his mark. And I, th- I think, you know, I think this defense, if, if they're not creating turnovers, I think this defense is going to be able to to create some plays with their front seven. Um, and I think this is going to be an interesting game. You, we may you may look at this and it's five minutes left in the fourth quarter and Bengals fans are looking at this game like we're still – like this is still a one score game. We're still fighting these guys. I, I think that's that's honestly what's gonna what we're gonna see on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I think this is gonna be an unpleasant game for the Bengals. Um, I do think they're gonna be able to score, but I think the mm-hmm. Falcons are just gonna be constantly clawing back. Like you and I both mentioned it. Like they just allowed two hundred and twenty eight yards on the ground to the Saints. Um yep. 
without the DJ Fal- Reader. The Falcons' run offense is a lot better than the Saints. Um, the Saints had they have players certainly, but it's been very inconsistent. Um, the Falcons have consistently put up yardage on every run defense they played, including the good ones. This mm-hmm. is not a good run defense, um, and I think the Falcons know that, and they're going to go after them. Um, and it really, I think it all comes down to, like you said, does the defense create turnovers? Because I think if the Falcons get some turnovers, like if the Falcons get out to a lead, they're going to be really difficult for teams to handle. Like you have to be really careful and you, you start wondering almost if the Falcons start taking the ball first in some of these games, um, against these higher scoring opponents. I'm always team like defer personally. I think I just like that. I think they have when they've won, they've taken the ball in the second half, but you do wonder if against some of these higher scoring offensive, they do opt to take the ball first and try to have a long drive, score a touchdown and really set the tone for the game. But um, I don't think there's a wrong way to do it, but I do wonder if against a higher scoring offense, if they would consider doing that, but um, it's going to be a good one. I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, I don't dread these games anymore. Like I, I think going into the season, it was like some of these games, it's like, Oh, I'm just waiting for this team to get clobbered. Oh, it's going to be great. It hasn't happened at all. Like they haven't really ever right. gotten clobbered. I think the Rams game was unpleasant for most of it, but the end was not bad. Um, put them so, away. So it was. Uh, it's been a much more fun season, and I think it's going to continue to be that way. Uh, that this team is going to be in contention each and every week. Um, and whether they end up closing out the playoffs or they're just really frisky or spicy, they've graduated to spicy now. Um, I think that's that's a good outcome for this season, and I'm excited to see if they can continue this momentum. And really, I think it's important too. Like if they do go get a winning record or sneak into the playoffs, that helps them so much next year when they have all this money and they need to convince guys to come here. And now they can say, "Hey, we're we're not this team with the top five pick that's rebuilding." It's like, no, no, we're an yeah. up and coming offense. We yeah. just need a couple of guys yeah. to take us over the top. Like that's a lot easier to pitch. <laughs> not even, not even talking about having a guy like Lamar Jackson in the fold. Just winning and having money can can attract some free agents yeah. next offseason as well. So absolutely, yeah, I, I can see that playing out as well. Where a couple of free agents that you didn't expect are like, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, like I said, please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Really appreciate that. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Uh, I'm Kevin. I'm at Falcoholic Kevin. He is Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Anything you want to plug, Eric, before we take off? Check out the Falcoholic. One-stop shop for everything you need uh, for all Falcons content. Um, give it a give it a look. I know, I know those guys over there are just turning out great great content that you're not going to get pretty much anywhere else to be honest with you so falcoholic.com absolutely guys thank you again for tuning in thanks to eric for coming on we will see you guys next on friday morning for the uh game preview for week seven that's when that'll be up on video and audio and then of course post game for the post game show following the bengals game until then guys thanks for tuning in to falcoholic live this evening we will see you next time have a great night folks Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.